And, and, and that's part of our myth, and we'll, we'll be able to experience it today. Do you have sec, Second Samuel chapter 4? <clears throat> Verse 4. Jonathan, son of Saul, <clears throat> had a son who was lame on both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And the news was that they had both died. Okay, his, his father died and his grandfather died, Solomon's Jonathan. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she heard to leave, he fell and became crippled. His name was Mephibosheth. Now turn to chapter 8, verse 15. David reigned over all of Israel together, doing what was just and right for all his people. David reigned over all of Israel, doing what was just and right for all the people. Now look at chapter 9. This is what we want to pick up the story here in chapter 9. I've spoken this message before. Some of you that really like music, and I've mentioned this before, don't you like to hear the top song again well when I did a series on my favorite messages this one I couldn't find it I wanted to preach this one I did I think I did five and I was looking at the the, the, the cassettes and it only has it has room for six but it only had five on there I was looking at our, our, our bookstore people and they said well we only have five so I'm gonna add this one into my favorite now we'll have six on there plus Many ministers, many pastors, they have sermons that they preach at least once a year. I always refrain from that by and large. I don't like to do that. I like to get, you know, fresh stuff. And, but it's good every now and then. It's good to do that. And if there would be one sermon that I would preach every year to our church, it would be this one. Okay, so I'm not going to do it every year. Uh, though once you hear it, maybe you should. Maybe you might say, maybe you should, Pastor Steve. Uh, because this goes right along. I didn't want to do it, but Lenny, how many were here on Wednesday? Wasn't that a powerful teaching on your position in Christ? We're made to sit in heavenly places, not in low places with the devil. Uh, we don't want to low. That's why the title of my sermon is, How Low Can You Go? Uh, no, no, no. We want to see how high we can fly. Uh, and forget pie in the sky. All right. Chapter 9. Do you have it? David asked, is there anyone still left or alive of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He'd made a covenant with Jonathan. Okay. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. In other words, he wasn't family. He was just a servant of the family. He was the only one left, so they thought. You know, they're like the FBI. CIA. They do their investigation. When you're working for the top dog in your nation, I mean, you're going to have the best people around you. Uh, you're going to have to be, especially during war. For, so David asked, is there anybody still alive in the household of, uh, of Saul for Jonathan's sake? Not for Saul. Saul was too much of a king. He said, but I was a blood brother. Real, like, almost like brother to Jonathan. And all of a sudden, he, he, it just comes to him. You know, sometimes ministers have minds like that. Oh, how come Pastor Steve thought like that? What, what is he thinking about that? Uh, and that's what he happens to, to think. And so all the people around him start investigating to see if there's anybody still alive. Let's go on. They said his name is Ziba. They called him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. The king asked, 
Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to make, can show kindness, God's kindness? Ziba answered the king. There is a son of Jonathan. He's crippled from both feet. Can you imagine David? He's, there's his best friend. You ever had your best friend? Uh, by the way, I'll just keep you standing. Went to go hear Dick Mills on Thursday. He prophesied to Chucky. Powerful, powerful prophecy. Chucky can't even, Chucky should be here, but he can't. I mean, even right now, I'm driving up here to, to, to he had to come with me and get, pick up his car, get his suit, and go to Pittsburgh, go preach, going to preach to Pittsburgh this morning. Barely, probably barely getting there. And I'm in the car. They call me on my phone. It's Pastor Eddie from Sacramento. He says, Pastor Steve, is Chucky around? <laughs> Chucky, can you come preach here tonight? And Say hi, tell him hi for him from his dad, you know? No, 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 I didn't. <laughs> uh, but when he started walking toward Dick Mills on Thursday, Dick Mills told him, God's going to be your best friend. And he gave him a lot of other powerful scriptures and, and prophecy, but at the end of the, when we went to go eat, I told him, Chucky, this is your last meal with Anthony. Cut him. <laughs> Cut him, bro. It's over. Uh, he's not going to be your best friend. Because that's, they've been like best friends. And some of you had your best friends. Well, can you imagine after long ages or whatever time, and all of a sudden, can you someday maybe Chucky's around someplace or Anthony someplace, and one of them will say, hey, is there anybody still left of, of, of Chucky's dad's family? Because I want to bless them. That's how it was like. They were, they were close. They were tight. And then all of a sudden he hears, there's still a son left. Can you imagine the heart of David saying, wow, Chucky's kid's still alive, Anthony says. And I, and, I got, and I got it pretty good here. I'm the king. Sheesh. And then he asks right there. See? He asks. In verse 4. What does it say? Where is he? The king asks. Ziba answered. He's in the house of Maker, son of Emil. Where? In Lodabar. That's why I say, how low can you go? So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Maker, son of Emil. When Mephobosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephobosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Father, I pray you have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And if you go on to read the final portion of that scripture, there was big time buku blessings involved that God was going to bring through David to the life of Mephobosheth. Now, the word Lodabar, those of you that are taking notes, it means this. In the Hebrew, not a pasture or a place of parched ground. It means unfertile soil. It means a place that can produce absolutely nothing. Can anything good come out of Lodabar? Can anything good come out of Hayward? Uh, can anything good come out of your family? So it means a place of no pasture. Parched ground. Uh, unproductive. That's really what it means, unproductive. Now, 
We need to get the picture, the scenario here in 2 Samuel. In 2 Samuel, the first eight chapters, David is doing a whole lot of fighting. He's doing a whole lot of battling. How many know that's what happens in Christianity? Uh, this whole theme that we had in, 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 uh, up at the prayer retreat was on warfare. They were dressed in fatigues, and it's warfare. Christianity is warfare. Uh, and it was heavy. I'm telling you, we came against the spirit of, 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 of Python. We came against the spirit of Jezebel. We came against the spirit of, uh, uh, of infirmity. And then we came against the top spirit in the whole world. And trust me on this. Someday I'll give you the study on it. The main spirit that has people is money. It's the main one. It hits you every time we pick up the offering. If it doesn't, it's not doing his job. It, it controls. Money controls. The more money, the more power for people. Uh, so it's warfare. If you're going to be a Christian, you've got to learn to fight and, and, and quick against the lies from the enemy. The enemy's going to lie to you. He's a big-time liar. Father of all lies, the Bible says. Uh, so here David has been doing a whole lot of battling. But then, my friend, as suddenly as a nurse drops a baby, this chapter, chapter 8, and 2 Samuel is dropped before us. It simply and suddenly begins in verse 1 by saying, David asked. Okay? So there's a whole lot of fighting going on, the first seven chapters. But then in chapter 8, or excuse me, chapter 9, it says, David asks. He wants to know if by chance or by God, there is anybody who is still around of the household of Saul. And during the course of their investigation, as I mentioned earlier, David's assistants come up with a name, Ziba. Ziba, again, was not of his household. He was just a servant. And once Ziba is brought before David, David asked him the $64,000 question. Uh, is anybody still living from the household of Saul? Talk about Panic City. For a split second, because he's trained from the streets. You ever been trained from the streets? Mum's the word. I ain't no snitch. Uh, they're going to put a snitch jacket on me. We're taught that. You don't, you know, uh-uh. You don't give it up. And so all of a sudden he's like, hey. And then he knows. He's like, Ooh. But this is the main man. This is the king. What do I tell him? So he panics. He says, man, man, I'm in a terrible rut here. I'm in a terrible predicament here. What should I do? What should I say? See, Ziba, no doubt, was already afraid. He thought for sure his life was scissors. It's over. And what's the opposite of fear? Faith. But he's afraid. He thought that he was safe and hiding and, and maybe someday they'd find him. Stay with me now. It's a story. He thought he was, it had been years. He thought he, he was okay now. He could come out and walk around even in Jerusalem now. He'd probably gone into hiding himself because had, they had taken Mephobosheth far. He was probably part, but then little by little, maybe he would inch his way back into Jerusalem through the years. And now he was able to walk around and nobody noticed him because <coughs> he had belonged to Saul's household. And whenever a new regime took over, they killed most everybody. And so he was, he says, oh man. He'd made it. Then all of a sudden, one day, they come knocking at his door. The king wants to see you. Oh, man. They pulled my covers. And then here he is. He's facing the king, and he asked me if there's anybody left. He says, man, I, it's over for me. Wow. I had a good ride while it lasted. I was the last of the Mohicans. He was. 
He said, I, I, I skated more than everybody, all the other households, all, they're all dead, except for me, and of course, the dude that I'm going to give up right now. Uh, <laughs> the day had come. There he was in front of the king, certain that wrath was about to come his way. But the King David represents King Jesus. A lot of us, we're taught like that. Now, I'm, you know, in, in Spanish, my mother used to say, Te va a a Dios. Whenever we did something wrong, God's going to get you. My God, boom! You know, I can't tell God I'm a drunk. <laughs> he already knows. Uh, but we, were, we think he's going to get us. Uh, <clears throat> that's what we think. So, man, I, I, but God's not like that. Uh, See, I read chapter 8, verse 15 to you for a reason, for a purpose. It said, David did good and just to all the people, except for Ziba. No. For God so loved the world, except for me. I'm too bad of a sinner. You should see the things I do, and I'm a minister. Uh, we, we get like that. Uh, for God so loved the world. David did good and just. See, Ziba had been trained in the house of Saul, who was rather tyrannical. He was a tyrant. He ruled with an iron fist. He ruled out of fear. Uh, he, but David was not like that. David was a, was a fair man, just guy. Uh, he, he, that's why God put him there. He was a man after God's own heart. Didn't say head, heart. He had a heart of gold. He wasn't perfect, but he had a good heart. Man, what a shepherd! That's that's what I try to do. My thing is, you know, I'm not the smartest guy, but I want to I want to have a good heart, and lead the flock as best as possible, uh, and try to be fair and just. And I think I'm pretty just. That's that's one of my things. I, I try to be pretty fair. Sometimes I get out of line, Lenny, but but by and large, I you know I'm all right. You know. Uh, <laughs> But he'd been trained in the household of, uh, of Saul, who was, like I said, he, he was too much. So he thought everybody else, every king was like that. He didn't understand that. Uh, so in that split second, Ziba wonders if he should tell David the truth. Because he felt David was like Saul. And so once he told him, he'd be history. Surely the king's going to, Saul would have had me dusted in a hot second. That's what he felt. But verse 4, David straight up asks Ziba, where is he? And so Ziba answers, he's in Lodabar. He's hiding. He was afraid. See, once his father, Jonathan, and his grandfather, Saul, had died, he was taken by some loyal people that were loyal to Saul to nearly, no, not nearly, to the farthest point north in the kingdom of Israel, Lodabar. I've, I've studied the map. When I put the sermon together, I studied. I, I saw where Lodabar was in Israel. It would be like someplace far above Bangor, Maine. Hmm. Bangor, Maine's the capital. Isn't Bangor the capital of Maine? And Maine's way Nova Scotia headed that direction. Uh, maybe he had the capital of Sacramento, and now he gets as far as this point north as he could. In Israel, the farthest point north that you could go 
was a loaded bar. And matter of fact, when I preached a sermon, I said, if you were in the Bay Area, what city did I use? Remember in the sermon? You've heard it before, some of you. Dixon. Dixon was voted the, <clears throat> the 60-something, out of 60-some cities, I think out of 69 cities in the Bay Area, it was voted number 69. Hope nobody's from Dixon. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice city. Uh, I did a wedding there once. But you can hide. If you want to hide. Matter of fact, where I just came from up in the hills. Uh, Boulder Creek. But not Colorado. Felton. I just came from Felton. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking at this place. Man, if you're a criminal, you want to hide Felton. That's where you go. Uh, you get away from it all. That's where Mephobosheth was. He was hiding out. He was laying low and load a bar. Matter of fact, that's the first sermon I put together years ago. I had a sermon called Laying Low and Load a Bar. Trying to hide. Trying to lay low. Uh, getting away from it all. That's what, he, that, that, that's what he was doing. In other words, how low can you go? That's low. He was supposed to always eat at the king's table. He was of royalty. He was of a royal lineage. It would be like like my son Esteban, something happens and he gets crippled. He's always falling down anyways. Uh, his ankles are all, you guys know. He's a pretty clumsy, coordinated guy. Hallelujah. Because uh, he's very coordinated, but you know, you're always falling. Uh, it would be like somehow some, through the years, he'd, he'd leave and take off. And, you know, and, and maybe someday he might you know, be the assistant pastor in this church. Maybe. Well, I'm alive. Uh, but then, but then all of a sudden he, he goes and he, he, and he, and he, and he leaves it all. <clears throat> I mean, you know, come on, man, you, you got a nice house you could be at. You got, come on, you got a beautiful family you could be with, but he's hiding. He's afraid. My dad, he's too much. See, that means he wouldn't know me. Uh, Mephobosheth didn't know David. Didn't I? He just knew Saul. Uh, See, Mephobosheth means this. If you're taking notes, the word Mephobosheth means shameful one. Mephobosheth was the one who had brought shame to Saul's household due to the fact that he was physically handicapped. His physical condition was a crippled. So he brought shame. <clears throat> so probably Saul mistreated him. Maybe, maybe not Jonathan, but maybe Saul said, oh man, my, my grandkid, he can't play little league. Probably his grandfather really looked down on him. Mistreated him. You'll never amount to nothing. You ever told that? Yes, you were. You'll never be nobody. Uh, <clears throat> that's the way some people are. So this guy felt, man, what's, what's the use? This life is, is terrible. Uh, when I was preaching yesterday, and I've mentioned this before about you guys, when, when we, you know, to you about me, <clears throat> in growing up in Santa Paula, a little place, it was only a town. It wasn't even a city when I was growing up. We had a contest to see who could read the most books in 30 days. I didn't know. I just started reading. Then at the end, they, they, they announced the, 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 the you know, second runner-up, Judy Wilson. 18 books. Ooh. And I'm thinking in my head, I read more than that. First runner-up, Richard Sarong. Lives over in my desk today someplace. 23 books. Everybody, ooh. And right away I said, it's got to be the grand prize. Because I knew how many I had read. And the teacher goes, and the grand prize winner 
Steve Pineda, 33 books. Not only can the kid play sports, the kid can read. Two weeks later, that man slapped me. He slapped me. He didn't, you know, I mean, I'm just telling the facts. Sometimes people just, just try to put you down. Instead of saying, man, this guy can be somebody someday. Let me tell you something. As your dad, you can be somebody. Sky's the limit for use. Ah, God's got it in good and bad and big for you. <laughs>